1: Let's Radio presents The Fallout is Lower Hey there, Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and thank you for joining me again for the Fallout Lorecast. This episode is going to be a little bit different. We are in a time, culturally, where we are struggling to become more aware, again, as we should, of differences between peoples, the fair treatment of everybody, the nature of what it means to be human, and yet still be of a specific culture or race or identity or sexuality or gender. There, there are a lot of different things that we can point to that make us different, make us individuals. And yet we're all still humans. And I, I think that you, if you've listened to my show, you understand that I have a deep need to draw similarities across people, people's individuals, can be unique and different, but it's my belief that we are all human, and therefore we all deserve the same basic rights. We, we all deserve to be treated well. We have an inherent value simply because we are human, and we come in lots of different flavors of human, but we are all human. So this week and next week, we're going to be discussing some some difficult topics, and this week... I'm going to do what I can to tackle some different perspectives on the use of race in the Fallout games. And I am by no means a sociologist. I have a little bit of a background when it comes to things like philosophy and the things that I've talked about before on the show. And I have some understanding of psychology and those kinds of things. But this isn't really my strong suit. But that doesn't mean that it can't be addressed especially with the, the goal of creating conversation, because it's my belief that by talking about these things and by relating to other human beings about these things, we can bridge the gaps. We can grow together. We can learn what other people's perspectives are and decide together what things are right and what things are wrong by taking everyone's opinions into consideration next week. We have our Patreon call at the end of the month, as usual, and we talked about it a little bit at the end of the show last time at the end of last month's show. But this month, because it's Pride Month, we will be digging into gender and sexuality issues and the way that they're portrayed in the Fallout games. And our patrons have a lot of, I'm sure, very cool things to bring up, different characters to talk about and perspectives on that. So I'm going to hold off on that that part of the conversation until next week. If you'd like to join us, you're welcome to join us on patreoncom slash Fallout Lorecast. Sign up at tier four and you can join us for that conversation next week. Actually, we're we're, we will be recording that most likely Sunday night around 9 p.m. Eastern. So come join us for that for that conversation. It's going to be streamed live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash robots radio. So you can go check that out there but let's get into some different perspectives about race in the fallout games. So like I mentioned before, this is a tricky topic and I'm going to be very careful to thread the needle here because I don't want to insult anybody and I don't want to dig myself into a hole or have something I said be taken out of context. So I just want to make that very clear at the beginning. Um, let's think about the fallout games if we go back to fallout 3 and new vegas they have a different character creation system than we get in fallout 4 and fallout 76 think about the way that works for those of you who did play those games if you recall you could choose a race in fallout 4 and fallout new vegas you simply craft the way your character looks there are two very different things happening here. Race in society isn't just the way you look. People assume race by the way you look, but it, it it's, it's deeper than that. The race that you assign yourself to is based on your culture. It's not necessarily based on, say, your skin color or your hair color or the way your face looks. There's more to it than that. It's a very complex thing. And we know from science that genetically, there isn't really a significant difference between different races. People from different lineages are more or less likely to show certain genotypical and phenotypical results in their DNA. And maybe results isn't the right word, but they they have different different DNA based on where they came from, but you can't just lump in a set of people and say this DNA, all of this DNA right here means that you are of Asian descent. And all of this DNA here means that you're of European descent. And all of this DNA here means that you are of African descent or native American descent. Like you can't just group it together. It's not that simple. Certain people from certain backgrounds are more likely to have certain traits but that doesn't mean that there's not a ton of crossover between different groups so when you talk about phenotypes those are the genetic traits that are visible let's just say that that's an oversimplified version of it but when we're talking about somebody's skin color their hair color their eye color things like that those are phenotypical traits and Those are the details that we are most likely to think about when we think about race. It's very unlikely, for example, for someone of African or Asian descent to have blonde hair or blue eyes. That's a trait, that's a phenotypical trait that is more common among Europeans. But it's not impossible. Now, we can work that backwards. It is more common for brown or black hair to be a phenotypical trait of people from African or Asian descent. But that doesn't mean that it's not a trait that doesn't show up in, of course, people from other places. So blue eyes could be another example or brown eyes could be an example. And the reason why we tend to use these as differences, skin color, that could be an example, but we know that there are different skin colors across everybody. Everybody in different locations can have variations on skin colors. You can't just say everyone who's a, Native American has a certain skin color because it's not true. Everyone who's a European has the same skin color. It's it's not true. So there's more to it than just that. And I think that a lot of us inherently understand this. But the reason I'm pointing this out is because is because we oversimplify things. We have a tendency as human beings to oversimplify issues of race, issues of gender, all of these different kinds of things. It is a much more complex and sliding scale when you actually look at the details. And the reason we focus so much on the way somebody looks when it comes to race is because that's the part that's easiest to, to, and it's, uh, I have to use the phrase to see because that's what we can see. We can't see someone's genotypical traits. We can't see the, the DNA within them. And even if we could, we wouldn't necessarily be able to, if we could read the DNA code, like the code in the matrix, you wouldn't necessarily be able to know someone's race simply by reading their DNA code. It's not that cut and dry. It's a very complex issue. So let's take a look. Fallout 3, we actually have variations on different races. You choose, are you white, are you black, are you Asian? And the when you make that choice in the menu, it limits your selection of traits. You look like somebody from that demographic, but you can't move the sliders outside of a certain spectrum. It's very limiting. What's interesting here is in Fallout 4, you don't define a race. You simply adjust your face. And I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but it, it rhymed. Now, there are presets that look more like typical people from different kinds of groups of people, but that doesn't mean that you have to stay within that preset. You can slide the sliders in whatever direction you want. You can create a mutation of a a weird looking amalgam of, you know, whatever, (laughs) some sort of monster, like a monster factory creature, or you can create somebody who looks like a real human being and can have multiple traits from lots of different backgrounds. And that's the way the real world works. Genes mix, they, they trade. But the, the fact that we have two different systems in the Fallout games means that we have different perspectives on which of these was done correctly. So I have found two different articles here that attempt to address race in the Fallout games. We have one article about Fallout 3 and one article about Fallout 4 by two different authors from two different websites. And the reason I'm pulling these up is because they bring about interesting points and I want to create discussion about that, about these points. So first we're going to start with Fallout 3. So back in 2012, before Fallout 4 was out for the public to try, Tanner Higgin, who writes a blog and I don't know much about, and this is just an article I found. So Tanner, if you listen to this, I, I'm not trying to call you out on anything. I'm just trying to represent what you said in this in order for us to discuss it. And Tanner writes here in the blog that non-fantasy role-playing games don't often allow the player to choose a race. However, fallout three allows players to select four different races, African-American, Asian, Caucasian, and Hispanic with Caucasian Unfortunately, but not unsurprisingly, being the default choice. So, already, of course, you have to have a default choice, and by default, it's Caucasian. That's already an issue there, right? An explicit breakdown of races in this way along lines similar to the US Census is exceptional in its own right, but also curious given how inconsequential these races are to Fallout 3's fiction. Unlike The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, which attributes histories, skill attributes, cultures, and geographies to each race, Fallout 3's races have no impact on the game beyond providing familiar stylistic variety. He goes on and says, Yet I don't want to stop here and simply reduce this design decision, if I can say that correctly, to a familiar critique of racially insensitive representation, since meaning within procedural systems is both limited by and dependent on restrictions. I see fallout three as open to a far more complex reading that can be redemptive of the limitations of its character creation system. So what he's getting at here is that, that this system, although it is uh, seemingly antiquated and creates this, these differences, these divisions among the different quote unquote races, that it's actually good because of the focus of the game. So get this by forcing the player to identify with one of the four rigid and institutionalized racial identities inside of a retro futuristic pre-civil rights world associated with segregation and nuclear annihilation. Fallout three affords a rare and bold consistency between setting and character. The player is uncomfortably hailed into mid 20th century American racial ideology. So he's saying here that although this is an antiquated system, it's an antiquated way of looking at races, it's doing that on purpose, or at least it's doing it in a way that makes sense because of the world that this is in. We know that the Fallout world is an extrapolation of 1950s and 1960s America into a future that did not occur in our own timeline. And we also know that 1950s and 1960s America was extremely prejudice. That's why the civil rights movement happened. There were a lot of people who did not believe that quote unquote, the races should mix or that segregation should end. We have a lot of issues here in the United States with our history of racism and slavery. And we're still dealing with that today. And what he's saying here is that this makes sense for the way Fallout 3 is designed. So he also points out another detail about the game. In the game, if you choose any of the races, nobody's going to approach you and treat you differently because you chose One race as opposed to another, which kind of seems odd, right? If you have this 1950s, 1960s mentality moving forward, then why doesn't the world hold on to that the way it does old music or political ideologies? It doesn't. Instead, it replaces race. With human types, and this is displaced, as he says here, Onto the ghouls in the world of fallout three and fallout four and all of the other fallouts for that matter. The world doesn't care what 1950s definition of race you are. The world only cares if you're a human or if you are a ghoul. And if you were a ghoul, then people treat you differently. That's it. That's the proxy. So, We've moved. It's kind of odd. We've moved from this 1950s dynamic where you have to define yourself as a race, but it actually doesn't have any implications in the actual gameplay because now we're treating humans and ghouls as if they are races. And those are the only two races. Do You see the disconnect there. It's a little bit odd. It's it's a little bit out of place. So why are we defining our race to begin with if it doesn't actually matter? but should it that's the other question would fallout make more sense if and and this is this is an example from the 1950s right if you decided to be an african american in fallout 3 and you came across people from other races let's just say caucasians who treat you differently in the game because you chose african american would that have worked It would have stayed consistent with 1950s ideology, but would it have worked for the game? Would that have felt good? Would that have been good for society? It's accurate and it doesn't whitewash what's going on here. It doesn't erase it. But would it have been good for a game? And I don't know the answers to these questions. I I can see that there are differences of opinion. We should point out different racial, differences. We should understand them. We shouldn't forget our history. I totally get that. I totally think that that is a very wise thing that we need to understand where we come from and not pretend that it didn't happen. But I also get that in a video game, in a representation of, the, of an alternate world, that putting somebody into a role playing character, who is going to most likely design a character. And I think this is what most people do, at least with one of their playthroughs is to design a character that looks like them and then give them a situation where people treat them differently in a way that resonates with things in the real world that they've dealt with that might be triggers for them. Doesn't seem kind. So there's a difficulty there. I'm not sure which direction seems best in the case of something like fallout three and i'd love to hear your opinions on this because i think this is a discussion worth having because there's not just a simple answer to this it's more complex all right we're going to come back after the break with a, a look at fallout 4 and another perspective on this so stay tuned
0: Hello there, old chat. Good to see another of
1: General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. All right, adventurers, thank you for tuning into the Fallout Lorecast. I'm your host, Tom, of course, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, and I appreciate you guys being here. As I mentioned at the top of the show, next week is our patron episode. It is one of my favorite events every month to get together with you guys and talk Fallout, and it's going to be a very interesting discussion we have some people who have some real world things to bring into discussions about gender and sexuality and as always with these with these patron episodes i'm i'm putting it in the hands of our patrons to bring what they would like to discuss to the table so that we can have a real discussion about these things together so if you're interested in that check out patreon.com slash follow lorecast and sign up as a tier four patron to join us next week Otherwise, you can sign up on whatever other tier you would like to get ad free episodes a little bit early before other people and other kinds of rewards and special channels on the Discord and all that kind of stuff. So go check that out. Also, I I wanted to note here that I'm making some changes on the way I'm doing content on YouTube, just so you guys are aware. The Robots Radio YouTube channel typically posts video game stuff, right? I've got Fallout stuff on there and Elder Scrolls and Cyberpunk, the, the kinds of stuff I do podcasts about. But I also have the podcast professor content, things that are helpful for people who make podcasts, but it's a little bit too much diversity in one channel. So what I'm doing is I'm going to move the podcast professor and I'm already beginning doing this onto its own channel. So I will put that in the the link in the show notes. If you want to get my advice on how to make a good podcast, how to start a podcast, how to grow an audience, do all the things that I've been doing for a while now, then Follow that link and go to the new channel. You're going to get all of the content. I'm moving over videos and I'm going to be making a lot of new videos. I'm actually renovating the extra bedroom in our house into an office because this whole pandemic thing doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. And I and I've been using that space anyway, but I need to just move all my stuff into it and just start doing things differently. So go check that out. Otherwise you're going to get all the regular YouTube content I've been creating on the robots radio YouTube channel. So if you are already a subscriber to that, then stay there, enjoy what I've been posting. And if you, and if you haven't followed either, then feel free to go subscribe to those channels and check out what I'm doing on, on the YouTubes. All right, guys, let's go back to the conversation we're having about fallout three and fallout four and the way that they are portraying race
0: about Nuka World? I'd be delighted to answer
1: them. So Fallout Four is a different bag of worms, right? <laughs> is that the right phrase? Uh, it it doesn't really define you as a specific race. You are able to adjust the way your character looks, but there's not really a definition here. And somebody else points out some some details about that. This guy uh, Yusuf Cole from medium.com back in 2015 wrote an article that is titled "Fallout for an apocalypse outside of context. And he goes into a little bit more detail about this idea that things aren't representative of the 1950s. So he says here after a introductory paragraph where he kind of sums up the game and, and has some glowing things to say about it. He says here, one thing I almost said irradiates, irritates me like a rock in my shoe as I wander the irradiated wasteland of Boston and its encircling suburbs. If Fallout imagines a future born from the ashes of 1950s cultural norms, where is the racism? The world your character awakens in is one that reflects a Gene Roddenberry-esque vision of utopian racial harmony. Not to say there isn't plenty of oppression visited upon the last dregs of humanity. It's just that whether from roving bands of bloodthirsty outlaws or slavers or mafia-like crime lords, it is visited in an entirely colorblind way. Slave camps, which appear in much of the series, a relic, and, and he notes here, a relic of America's ugly historical relationship with its black population, are populated with people of every race and gender. And the roster of villains themselves are as diverse as a Benetton catalog. It's a world where race is relegated to the realm of phenotypic distinction down to the role of the dice emptied of social significance. So this goes along with what I was saying before. You have a character creator where you are creating phenotypic distinctions. You are making yourself look different, but that's it. They've erased race from the game completely you're not choosing are you caucasian are you african-american etc you are simply rolling the dice with your phenotype distinction and that's it he goes on and says this algorithmically derived ambivalence has beneficial aspects your character in fallout 4 can be any imaginable race you could be a mixed race couple without comments, without any contrived narrative explanation. Your child then shares the characteristics of both parents, something previously unheard of in games, let alone most media. And and I think that this is a, a good place to stop, because this is an important thing to point out, that that is actually how genetics work, that children get some traits from you and some traits from your spouse, and they are a mix and certain traits come to the surface. And sometimes they look a lot like one parent and not the other. And sometimes they look like a total mix between the two. And that's just how genes work. Genes are crazy. (laughs) He goes on and says, I feel like I should be overjoyed by these developments. And in some ways I am. I'm happy I have the chance to create my own features in a game rather than having to settle with someone who looks either unambiguously black or unambiguously white, but with a tan. Still can't choose my actual hair, but that's a whole other essay. In general, Fallout nails the visual representation of the diverse world I see around me daily, yet it still falls flat when it comes to crashing that check on the narrative end. And this is where he gets into detail about the specifics of having a 1950s-like culture that is totally devoid of any notice of racial differences. He says here, it baffles me that a game drenched in the aesthetics and cultural values of the 1950s manages to sidestep the massive amount of virulent and systematic racism that marked the period. I can't help but draw the comparison to rockabillies and other subcultures who appropriate the look and style of America's post-war period without acknowledging the white supremacy that supported it all. Narratives that sample from history can certainly make incisive commentary. In Fallout's case how the crippling fear caused by the cold war aided the meteoric rise of American militarism, patriotism and corporate hegemony. But it's a mistake to ignore contexts that do not fit your narrative. You must meet all your demons head on. And the article goes on and he talks about why this is not actually accurate to the real world and why we need to have these things in the game so that we don't, Erase them. There's a specific line here where he says Bethesda's random racial lottery does much to represent traditionally marginalized people as well-rounded characters, but it does so by erasing identity rather than adding to it. So do we have a template for how this would work out? Well, at the end of the article, he notes here that in Star Trek, in Roddenberry's Star Trek, the world he envisions is one which has moved past the ethical injustices that plagued its past and our present. But it doesn't pretend they never existed. Rather, it shows the viewer the attractions and pitfalls of prejudice and the terrible outcomes for societies that embrace it. It yearns for us to be better as people. This is as much the mission of the show as it is the crews who make up the show's protagonists. Fallout presents history in bland and universal terms, which naturally tend to be framed through the same privileged Western white perspective We see in other examples of genre fiction, mutants and synths take up the mantle that fantasy's orcs and elves must bear as analogs for real life racial minorities. Historically rooted forms of oppression are stripped of their power and are set up instead to affect everyone equally. The city of Boston itself is neutered and reduced to landmarks, its ghettos forgotten, its slave regiments erased from stone. And I think he's giving us a template for how to address this. The idea here is don't pretend that these things didn't exist, especially when you have a fiction that is built on the real world. Note them. And if the people of that fiction have moved past racial differences, racism, these kinds of things. Awesome. But don't pretend that that never happened. To have characters that don't reference the past in ways that are accurate pretends like the past didn't happen. And that's the difference. So some interesting perspectives on the way race is used in the Fallout games. I would love to hear your perspectives on this as well. And of course, this is a very highly debated topic with a lot of different people, with a lot of different answers for this question. And some people think it's better to just pretend like everything's fine and to just move on with it because that means that everything's fine. And some people think that that erases things and causes more problems. There are some real world examples of cultures that have moved past this. And in those cases, they typically don't forget their past. For example, it's very much taught in German schools what Nazism was and what happened in the 1930s and forties and how that was not good because they don't want to go through that again. And it seems to be working. So what do you think? What's the best way to handle race and in the next fallout game or in a new expansion to 76, does some of that need to change? Do the writers need to be a little bit more aware of our history and not pretend like it didn't happen. All right, guys, I'll talk to you on the next episode when we have our patrons and until next time, stay safe. I'll see you guys later. plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com.